All right, so today I'm going to talk about defining mental illness, and I really hope it will give some perspective on how to accept mental illness in ourselves and in others without it taking over everything, particularly how it pertains to our identity, or shall I say, doesn't pertain to our identity. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to the Mental Health for Holiness podcast, a podcast for women who want to find hope in their mental sufferings and improve their psychological well-being so they can love Jesus more. I'm your host, Talia Cruzzi. I'm a wife, a mom, and I've been managing bipolar disorder for over a decade while also continuing on my own journey towards holiness. And I am so grateful to be able to coach other women to do the same. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Okay, so I think the biggest thing that I really want to emphasize today is that mental illness is not a black and white thing. It's not like cancer or COVID where you either have it or you don't. You take a biopsy, you know, in the case of cancer, you take a biopsy or you take a test in the case of of COVID and it's either benign or malignant. It's either positive or negative. I think this is a really, really important distinction because black and white thinking can easily lead to labeling in a way that affects our self-image in a very negative way. So for example, for anyone who gets a diagnosis of depression or anxiety or bipolar, what have you, there's the temptation to think, oh, I'm one of those people now. I'm depressed. I'm bipolar. When it comes to mental health, it's easier for our struggles, our issues to to somehow define us in a way that that isn't correct. Our struggles and our crosses can define us in how we choose to react to them, but the mere presence of a struggle or a cross does not define us. No one goes around and says, I'm cancerous or I am COVID-ish or however you would make that an adjective. No, we say I have cancer, or I had cancer, or we say I have COVID, or I had COVID. A little tangent that I find so interesting is that pregnancy is something that is black and white, right? A woman is either pregnant or not. No one says, I'm kind of pregnant, or I have a touch of pregnancy. No, we would say I'm, I am pregnant, I am with child, because that does affect our identity. And I'll leave it at that because that is a whole different episode. But the point being that language is important. How we talk to ourselves and how we talk about mental health is important. This is probably the first struggle I really grappled with after I received my own diagnosis. It was just, it was a bit of an identity crisis. And I'll share more about that in my next episode. But I think this is a huge, huge point that needs to be made when we are talking about mental health is that its mere presence does not define us. It does not affect your core identity, which is truly untouchable and defined by the fact that you as a human, you are an image of God. That is the source of your dignity. But for the sake of being super objective here, it is not something that should ever allow you to think of yourself as damaged or ruined or defected or excluded from fulfilling your purpose or your dreams or your desires. We are fallen, yes. But it's really, our mental illness is really nothing more than a cross that needs to be carried, just like 
everyone else has their own unique crosses to carry. Okay. So I want you to remember that a mental illness is something that somebody has, not something they are. Okay. So second big point that I want to make related to mental illness, not being black and white, is that mental illness is, is a spectrum thing. It's a grayscale. So for example, a good image that makes this easier to visualize would be like blood pressure. Okay. There is a normal range that the scientific community at large would say is optimal for function. We would say this is quote unquote healthy or normal again, because labeling in and of itself is not bad, right? It's, it's how our brains organize lots of information and data. So that's important to remember that it's not bad for the sake of objective data. It's when we let it cross into our identity that it can become problematic. Okay. So we would say, going back to the blood pressure thing, we would say anything that is around 120 over 80 is, is good blood pressure, you know, right? Or below 120 over 80, whatever, whatever it is. There are people who have blood pressure much lower than this. And then there are those who have higher than this. There's, there's some on each side of the spectrum. There are certain points at which the condition needs attention. Okay. So if your blood pressure is chronically low, you may have to drink lots and lots of water and eat a little bit more salt and wear compression stockings or something. You, the point is you have to take some action. And when it's getting too high, there might be a time when it becomes important to perhaps, again, watch what you eat, not eat so much sodium, not have so much salt in your diet, things like that. And there, this involves a certain point where medication is, ne- is necessary. And perhaps beyond that, even more extreme measures, somebody needs to be hospitalized or something along those lines. So when we look at mental illness, it's a lot like blood pressure. We all have a blood pressure, just like we all have a mental state of health, be it positive or neutral or negative. And there are times when it will perhaps go up and down. Okay. Sometimes it's, it's an acute high or acute low and those happens, but the, the chronic, when it's chronic, those are, that's when it becomes a problem. We need to, we need to look into another visual I like to use would be like your resting heart rate. When you go for a run, your heart rate is going to go higher. When you sleep, it's going to be lower, but you define your overall health on what would be your baseline, what we call your, your resting heart rate. I have my degree in exercise physiology. So that's all I, um, we, I did a lot of heart stuff in college. Uh, so again, the scientific community has determined through research and discussion when a resting heart rate is too high and perhaps medication is necessary or, or perhaps it's too low and you need something to make it within that optimal functioning range. Okay. So when we look, for example, at depression, we all experience times of being somewhat down or depressed. For sure, for those going through grief or recovering from trauma, but even those, even those who aren't, right? Sometimes it's simply hard to get out of bed. It can be an emotion. It can be a feeling. It can be affected by how much sleep you got. It, 
it's so my point is it can be an acute a condition that we all experience depression itself having it uh, acutely is not necessarily a mental illness it's when it is a bit more chronic and there are parameters again that have been deemed by the psychological scientific research at large that say when it gets to this point it meets these parameters medication will be helpful or attention needs to be taken it may be something that you struggle with for most of your life. It may be simply something that is but for a season. Bipolar is the same way. Everyone has ups and downs, right? But people who have bipolar have either more than normal, again, quote, unquote, normal, ups and downs, or have markedly drastic ups and downs that is, again, a bit outside the normal range. This disorder tends to be something that that person will most likely deal with for the rest of their life. But again, it doesn't mean that management isn't possible. Regulation of moods might take a little bit more effort, but not impossible. Same thing with anxiety. We all get a little worried sometimes. There's a healthy level of fear and worry that helps us preserve ourselves. Um, But again, there are two sides to that. Some people suffer from no worry whatsoever to the point of recklessness and irresponsibility. And then there is the suffering that comes when there is excessive fear and anxiety. I think a good, uh, a good picture is like driving, right? People who are kind of reckless and they don't worry about anything. They, they tend to speed, they tend to be all over the road. And then there are on the other side, there are the people who, no, I, I don't even want to go anywhere because that requires driving. And if I can just drive as little as possible, then that would be great. Um, so I hope that kind of um, gives a good visual there. So the point being mental illness is truly a condition that you could say is in line with the thought of the quote unquote via media right? The way of the middle, which is why virtue, I believe, is so intimately connected with our mental health because virtue is also the via media pertaining to the middle. All right. So, and that we can talk more on that um, in the future. I want to wrap up with um, talking about the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistics Manual. Now it's, I think it's in its sixth edition but anyway, when I studied it, it was in its fifth edition. So often refer, it's often referred to as the DSM-5. And it's a reference book that lists all diagnosable mental conditions recognized by the professional psychiatric community that states the parameters of where mental illness begins. When does the condition at hand get so far off the way of the middle that medication would indeed be helpful because our mind is connected to our brain, which is a physical organ, and there are real chemical and neurotransmitters whose balances attribute to this problem. Okay. It's not the whole problem, which is why medicine is not a magic cure, but it can be very helpful in addressing the physical part of the problem. Um, but anyway, the DSM-5 is, is kind of, uh, yeah, the big reference book that outlines the parameters. Okay, so for bipolar, if you've had a manic episode, you know, um, once a year or once a month, it kind of outlines those parameters and what a manic episode is, 
what, dep- what, you know, what a depression is, how long it has to last, how often it has to occur, all those, it's kind of cut and dry. And, um, but it's kind of, you know, we got to have something and then it's up to kind of the psycho- psychiatrist or psychologist to go ahead and make their, be- their, their diagnosis. So that's how that kind of works. I'm going to leave it at that today. I hope that helps give some clarity to what mental illness is and how it's defined. Remembering that it is something that someone has, right? Not what someone is. And that it really is a spectrum thing where everyone experiences bits and pieces of negative states of mental health, but it, it doesn't automatically mean mental illness. Rather, when the negative state persists to a point that is chronic and affects daily function, that's, you, that's often uh, um, a question, you know, is it affecting your daily function? That's when it may need a bit more attention and a bit of conscious effort to be managed, whether, again, whether it's for a season or for longer than that. So I hope that gives you some good food for thought and God bless your day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mental Health for Holiness. If you did, I would greatly appreciate it if you left a rating and review and shared it with anyone who popped into your mind while you were listening. I truly believe that this conversation on mental health is really so necessary to our culture at large. And so I would be so grateful if you could help be a part of spreading that message. I also want to encourage your participation in the conversation. I would appreciate any feedback or if you have your own mental health story that you would like to share and how it has affected your own journey towards holiness. Feel free to reach out. You can contact me at mentalhealthforholiness.com backslash contact. And know that I am praying for each and every one of you.